0: So, one of my very favorite television shows is Curb Your Enthusiasm, which chronicles the misadventures of Larry David and the very awkward social predicaments he gets himself into. Now, if you don't know who Larry David is, uh, count yourself lucky. In one episode, Larry attends the opening of a new building for a nonprofit called the Natural Resources Defense Council. And, and Larry's really excited about this because he donated the money for a whole wing, one of two, which will be in the lobby of this new building uh, in which the guests will uh, mill about during its opening. And his name is on this new wing. But Larry's enthusiasm is curbed somewhat. When, uh, when he sees the inscription on the other wing, uh, it says, Donated by Anonymous. Larry sees that and says, you know, I'm not crazy about that. Now it looks like I just gave mine for the credit, as opposed to, you know, Mr. Wonderful Anonymous over there. But to make matters worse, Larry's wife, Cheryl, informs him that she knows who Anonymous is. Anonymous is Larry's frenemy, the actor Ted Danson. And Cheryl is is quite clearly enamored of Ted and his generous donation and says he donated a whole wing and didn't even want anyone to know. To which Larry replies, well, well, he told you. So apparently he wanted somebody to know. Who else did he tell? How do you know he only told you? And Cheryl says, "Well, well, the point is that he didn't—he didn't want all the fanfare." And Larry, Larry interjects, "Fanfare? What fanfare? I don't like the fanfare you're saying. I like fanfare. Nobody told me that I could donate a wing uh, anonymously and also tell people about it. I would—I would have taken that option. Okay? You can't have it halfway. You're either anonymous or you're not. How similar the situation is to the words we just heard from Jesus." He says, whenever you give to the poor, don't blow your trumpet, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may get praise from people. I assure you that's the only reward they'll get. So much of what we do is done for an audience. We long for, we seek after the reward of other people's attention, approval, and admiration. We desire to stand out from the crowd, to feel special, perhaps sometimes even to feel superior. So often we live our lives through the real or imagined eyes of others. Shakespeare wrote that all the world's a stage. This has become all the more true in the age of social media as it's taken an increasingly central part in our lives in the last 10 to 15 years. As a very famous actor who will remain nameless here, uh, once said in an Instagram post, if it's not on Instagram, it didn't happen. Very telling, very uh, of our time. So many of us live uh, so much of our lives on the lookout for for material for our Facebook, for our Instagram, TikTok, or, or Snapchats in the hope that that we will be rewarded, validated, with likes, comments, uh, subscriptions, a new friend or follower. We want to feel that we are seen, that that we are good enough, that we are okay. Social media has, has of course, amplified, greatly amplified, this attention-seeking behavior, but but of course it did not create it. It's been with us for a very long time very long time, and and it's what Jesus has his sights set on in the Ash Wednesday gospel that we just heard, the same gospel we get every year on this day. Jesus says, be careful that you don't practice your religion in front of people to draw their attention. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Jesus seems to be saying here that If we do a good thing in order to be admired by others, then it does not do any good for our souls. It's of no inward benefit. The good behavior, no matter how remarkable or generous, does not bring us closer to God in this case. Now notice the word that Jesus uses to describe people who make a show of their doing good. He calls them hypocrites. The dictionary defines a hypocrite as a person who puts on a false appearance of virtue or who acts in contradiction to their stated beliefs or values. In the original Greek of the Gospel of Matthew, uh, the word hypocrite also means actor, someone who is putting on a show, whose outward appearance does not match, does not correspond with their inward reality. And reality is is really what it's all about for Jesus. It's the heart of the matter for him, the crux of the issue. In the words of the great monk and mystic Thomas Merton, we are called by God to become fully real by attaining to a reality beyond the limitations of selfishness in the spirit. And of course, we we cannot become fully real when when we are caught up in an act. There's another thing that's interesting about this word hypocrite or or actor that Jesus uses. Uh, Actors in in Jesus' time uh, actually wore masks when they were performing to depict the roles they were playing. So a hypocrite then is someone who is is, uh, in a very straightforward sense, uh, not real, but rather playing a role, playing a character. Of course, we, cannot, we also cannot become fully real when we, are, when we are self-centered. For to place ourselves at the center of the world is uh, a distortion of reality. I mean, for one thing, uh, if we find ourselves thinking of, our, thinking of ourselves at the center of the world, well, uh, nobody else thinks that. <laughs> We're a party of one. And so that's just asking uh, for conflict uh, and, and dissonance. Uh, when we uh, try to uh, live with others in any kind of harmony. In many religions and mythologies, there is something that has uh, been uh, become known as the axis mundi or, or cosmic axis, world axis, uh, a central location or object that uh, uh, could be a tree or a mountain or a pillar. Uh, that connects heaven to earth and around which the earth uh, is said to revolve. And too often, it seems, we, we live as though we ourselves are this axis mundi, around which people, events, and, and indeed uh, uh, even the world itself orbit. It seems to be an unexamined assumption, uh, very often unconscious Assumption that is behind all sorts of greed, fear, and conflict that we encounter, maybe even sometimes generate in this world. And so it seems that every once in a while we need a good reality check. And this is what Ash Wednesday offers us. The ashes which we are about to receive remind us of a few things. They remind us of some difficult things. They remind us of death, that we are only here for a little while, that we are but dust and to dust we shall return. The ashes also remind us that we are sinners, that we fall short of the fully human and fully real lives that God created us for. In Jesus' Jewish culture, ashes uh, applied to one's face were a sign either of mourning or of penitence, of sorrow, for wrongdoing. There's something liberating about facing reality, about facing up to ourselves as we really are, even even if it's a reality that we've been resisting or avoiding. Again, in the words of Thomas Merton, the acceptance of reality is always a liberation from the burden of illusion, which we strive to justify by our errors and our sins. Shortly after he became Pope, uh, Pope Francis was asked in an interview, Who are you? He reflected for a moment and then said, I am a sinner. And this echoes the words with which he accepted his election to the papacy. Uh, He announced, uh, I am a sinner, but I trust in the infinite patience and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mercy. That That is really what Ash Wednesday... Is about. Ash Wednesday, yes, confronts us with our mortality and our sinfulness, but, but more importantly, it reminds us of God's everlasting mercy. On Ash Wednesday, we encounter a God who is compassionate and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. The purpose of Lent is not to suffer, or to punish ourselves, or to feel guilty but rather to prepare ourselves to receive this great gift of God's mercy, a gift which we can only really receive if our hearts are open to it. And so Lenten disciplines are really about trying to remove anything that stands in the way of our hearts and the mercy of God. The ashes on our foreheads remind us of something more than the shortness of our lives and our falling short. With the shape of the cross in which they are traced, these ashes remind us of our true center, our true home. The cross is the ultimate expression of God's creative, self-giving, life-giving love entering into our world. The cross is the ultimate expression of God's mercy. The cross, then, we could say is the true Axis Mundi, the tree of life, which is our true center, our true home. And so this Lenten season, may we turn away from the unreality of self-centeredness toward the reality of love and of God's mercy. May we, a people who, who so deeply desire to be seen, known, and loved, Come to know ourselves as seen, known, and loved by the love that moves the sun and the other stars, as Dante once wrote. Jesus promises that the spiritual treasure of making God our center far outweighs any earthly treasure we can find anywhere else. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also.